0: I tell my bus kids all the time, I'll tell them every day, I have to remind them every day what the rules are on the bus. I have elementary, kindergarten through fifth grade on my bus, and they are heathens. (laughs) They they really are heathens. But I have to tell them every morning and every afternoon because they forget by the afternoon what my rules are, and I'll tell them, you want to hear them? It doesn't matter. I'm going to tell them to you anyway. These are the three. And by the way, it goes for here as well. These are the three rules. One, you have to sit on your bottoms and face the front. Don't be looking around at your neighbors. You hear me? Number two is don't distract me. If you distract me, it's a danger. It's a danger. So I'm telling you all, do not distract me this morning. You can say amen. You can say praise the Lord but don't do anything else. Don't jump up real quick. Don't come towards me. (laughs) And number three, (laughs) these are real rules. Number three is keep your hands to yourself. You understand? Nobody wants you to be touching them today. So keep your hands to yourself. I'm, I'm about to turn 68 years old. I'm probably the oldest person in this room right now. Isn't that right? Nobody's gonna own up to it if they are. And I, and I say that because I think it goes along with my message because you need to know that I've experienced just about everything under the sun, almost, at least once. Things have a tendency to repeat themselves. Do you know that? They do, they tend to repeat themselves. So I've been through a lot, I've been through a lot of different things. Did you know that my children have four kids? And did you know that they were shocked? I mean literally shocked when we told them that we didn't grow up with a microwave? <laughs> they were they were shocked. They wondered, well, how did you cook? So we used, we used, we used a fire out in the backyard. so um, I uh, I didn't have a cell phone can y'all believe that y'all who always had a cell phone raise your hand you've always had a cell at least you you were born when cell phones were around not that many okay how about a computer I mean I saw the transition of computers come into the world you know I saw that how many of y'all have always had computers around. Yeah, see, several of you. So I saw that. Well, let me tell you, with everything that you've seen, I in fact, how, about, how many of y'all were around when there wasn't an airplane? <laughs> see, well, I was too. So, but, uh, but things, you know, things transition, don't they? Things come into our lives, uh, some good, some bad. Um, I was I was around. I was born in 1954, so I went through the transitions of, of, uh, of the uh, uh, the racial tensions of the of the, uh, of the early 60s, and uh, I went through the hippie movement of the 60s. I mean, went through that. If you survived that, you're something. All right, Woodstock, those things, uh, all those. You know, the I, I went through. I I was around during the Bay of Pigs, uh, when we almost went to war with Russia. I remember hiding under my desk in in the second grade, hiding under my desk because we thought the missiles were about to fly over. You think you think that's stressful? That's stressful, even for a little. You know, at that time I was 12 years old in second grade, but who's counting, really, right? But uh, but stress, stress has always been with us, right? The stressful things have always been around. You're never going to live in, a, in this world where there's things not to be worried about. And so that's why I appreciate so much the messages that Pastor Joel has been sharing with us. And uh, today I'm going to... I'm going to continue that. The Lord's given me a message uh, that I think will complement that. Um, if if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I'm His dad, so he, he can't say anything about it. I told him yesterday. I said uh, I said, son, I'm so rusty. You know, I don't preach that much anymore. He said, well, Dad, just have fun with it. So Joel, <laughs> I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. Which, since I'm about to turn 68. I have been a Christian for 45 years. That's a long time. How many of y'all are younger than 45? Yeah, see, a bunch of you. And I know you know what happens, you young people discount old folks. You say, well, they're, they're out of it, they really don't know what's going on. We know everything. <laughs> and we know enough to just say, okay, we're gonna stay quiet and let you just sink because uh, there's a lot of wisdom in 68 years. Isn't there, Miss Pat? Yeah, yeah. She will be. She's a year behind me almost. But anyway, that gives me a right, because I'm 68, to tell you a dad joke. Are you all ready for it? It doesn't matter. Do you know why... You should never brush your teeth with your left hand. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because it's so much easier with a brush. (laughs) Trying to have fun, Joel. Another joke, I probably have told several of you this one. This one, this one I, I preached all over Eastern Europe. Do you know? Do you know why the queen never waves with this hand? Do you know why? Because it's my hand. (laughs) That was funnier than that. (laughs) At least it was to me anyway. (laughs) Amen. Now on a serious note. I've been praying and I believe God's given me a word for us this morning. And so what I want you to do is understand that there's three three voices that you're going to hear this morning. Three voices. The first voice is going to be my voice. And you're going to hear me, and I'm going to share some things, and you're going to hear it. Hopefully you're going to hear it. But what's going to happen second is you're going to debate me in your mind. You're going to be responding in your mind. You're going to be talking about what I just said and, and trying to decide whether or not to embrace it or not. Those are, those are two subjective voices that you'll hear. But the third voice, the third voice that you're going to hear, and I know you're going to hear it this morning, is the most important voice, and that is the voice of the Holy Spirit and he's going to take portions portions of what I've said he's he's going to sift through some of the some of the verbiage that I say and he's going to get to the root of what you really need to hear and that is the voice I pray this morning that you listen to amen so I want you to do this I want you to close your eyes And I want you to ask our Lord to help you to hear his voice this morning. Will you do that? Let's close our eyes. Father, I am so honored that you would give me this platform this morning to come and to speak to your body, to your church. Lord, I ask you this morning that you would feel me With your Holy Spirit and that truly Lord the message that I believe you gave me that you would convey it in a way and in a manner that these here Lord will receive it and I thank you Holy Spirit that I don't what I don't have the ability to say correctly or impactfully you do and you will take the words that I speak and you will take them, Lord, and change them and move them and manipulate them in whatever way is necessary. And you will bring them home into the heart and in the spirit of the hearer this morning. And I thank you for that. And because of that, Lord, I give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have loved Pastor Joel's messages. Have y'all? Amen. I have. Obviously none of y'all have, but I have. Joel, I'm sorry they didn't like it. But do you know what? We live today in a world where every sunrise brings with it a disturbing challenge. Right? a disruption, it seems at the end of every day there's a piece of life's puzzle missing and we're left each day, at the end of each day, feeling incomplete. I I was raised uh, in Fairfield, Alabama. Everybody know where Fairfield, Alabama is? I was raised in Fairfield. My dad was a steel worker, and uh, he was the father of eight children, and I was the I was the youngest of eight. And uh, one of the things about my dad, which which um, is, uh, is difficult, is that he was a he was a uh, he he was a severe alcoholic. And because he was a severe alcoholic, he did, he did some really bad things uh, in our family uh, under the influence of alcohol. Well, as a as a little boy, I remember the chaos of being in that house. And I can't convey to you all that that went on and how it it Affected me inside, but I still live with it today. Just the, just the, um, the, the, the fear and the uh, anger that that I felt in that house and that chaos and just the disruption, the disruption of life. It was it was there in my home, and every every day when I came home, I did not know what to expect. I didn't know what was going to happen. When I laid my head on the pillow at night, I didn't know whether I would be be able to sleep through the night or whether or not I was going to wake up in the middle of the night hearing my father screaming and shouting or seeing him, even worse, doing terrible things, beating my mother. I remember one night waking up, 3 o'clock in the morning, my brother, I have a mentally retarded brother, his name's Paul, he was, he was screaming at the top of his voice. I, I jumped up out of my bed. I was about 10 years old. I jumped up out of my bed and ran in the hall. And My father had come home in a drunken stupor. And, and my older brother, he was 16 at the time, he had seen where he, my dad had hit my mother and blackened her eye. So he came in and he jumped on my dad. Well, my dad was not somebody to jump on. So my dad reached over, grabbed an ashtray, and beat my brother in the head with the ashtray. So what I woke up to was my brother laying in the floor, blood all over the place, and my brother screaming over him, and my dad standing over him, and my mother trying to push him away. That was, that was my life. And, uh, and it, again, it has made an impact on me. Can I tell you something? Life brings things that will impact you, and if you will allow it, it will destroy you. It almost destroyed me. In 1977, I was... 24 years old. 1977. At the age of 24, I was an alcoholic myself. I had dropped out of school. I had joined the army. I had come out of the army. I was an alcoholic, and uh, and my life was a mess. I was married to Pat, who we had just. Uh, she was, I think, six months pregnant. And, and we were about to divorce. And one morning, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And when I did that, when I did that, it completely changed my life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it changed my life. And all the chaos and all the disruptions in my life from that time before and from that time forward was taken care of. I I I I I have peace. And let me tell you, I could tell you, I could tell you all kinds of things where I've had challenges in my life where where people would have difficulties with in 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 having peace but I but I God has given me peace and I'm here this morning to tell you that God and God alone will give you peace if you let him he will give you peace this world's not going to give you peace let me let me read an article I found on Dr. Google it says here this is a 2021 state of mental health in America Uh, So it's written over a year ago, so we know it's worse now than then. It says, for the seventh year in a row, Mental Health America released its annual State of Mental Health in America report, which ranks all 50 states and the District of Columbia based on several mental health and access measures. This year, Vermont moved to the number one spot ahead of Pennsylvania. And Nevada remained last at number 51. I wonder why that is. Also note, 19% of people in the US are living with a mental health condition nationwide, a 1.5 million increase over the last year's report. At this pandemic, as, as the pandemic relentlessly, relentlessly persists, We're seeing the highest levels of anxiety and depression reported since the pandemic hit the US in March of 2020. This is a troubling trend being fueled by loneliness and isolation. We're also seeing alarming numbers of children reporting thoughts of suicide and self-harm. The 2021 State of Mental Health in America report confirms the trend. That mental health in the US continues continues to get worse and many states are ill prepared to handle the crisis and policymakers at every level of government need to act immediately can i tell you something listen good federal government can do a lot of things and i thank god for Those who serve in the federal government, uh, they do some good things. They do a lot of crazy things, but they do do some good things. However, what I believe is this. The federal government cannot and will never resolve the problem that we face in America. But I do have good news for you. There is someone that can There is someone that you can access this morning that can resolve, that can take away, that can can remove every anxiety and fear that you have in your heart today. And that's the truth. Let me read you a passage of scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 4 and it's verse 4 through 7. And this this is from Paul. Paul the Apostle and he's talking to the church in, 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 in Philippi and he is actually in prison when he writes this. So if anyone should be a little anxious it should, probably should be Paul. But this is, this is what he says to us, the church. Listen to it. He says Rejoice in the Lord Sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going well for you. No, that's not what it says. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. You think he means it? He says it twice right there. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what your circumstances are. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So let's look at this for a few minutes. First thing I want you to... To note, and if you have your Bibles, if you do this, great. Uh, uh, most people, I think, nowadays use their, uh, uh, that thing my Bob called the computer or handheld device. Yeah. I'm not going to say what I want to say. Yes, I'm going to say, get a Bible. Mark your Bible. It's amazing what you can do when you grab a Bible and you start marking it, becomes your Bible. Right? you more easily able to find things. I've used I'm not saying I don't use it. I use it all the time the my iPad and what have you, but but I, but if if I want to find something real quick, if I don't know where the scripture is, I have to use the search. But if I've used my Bible, my Bible, this Bible here, it's got all kinds of markings in it. I can go almost straight to it because I know where it's at. I mentally have marked where it's at. Anyway, it makes a difference. So, so anyway, that's that's old man talking who's out of touch. And there's not enough room for me in my Bible, so I'm gonna use my notes. So let's look at it. rejoice is the word. So so mark that, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Always, in other words, he's saying be thankful always, regardless of your circumstance. And again, where is Paul? Paul's in prison. So if anyone has a reason not to be thankful, if anyone has a reason to be questioning why this is happening to him, I mean, do you think he may have questioned that? I mean, he's here. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's preaching the gospel. And here he is in in, in, in a Gentile prison. So, you know, he's probably wondering, God, what are you doing? But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why? Because he was trusting God. Do you trust God this morning? Do you trust God with your circumstances this morning? Because let me tell you something. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what conditions you're facing this morning. And let me tell you something. He knows exactly what he wants to happen within you through that position. That's why he's allowing you to walk through it. You know what? I'm the, I'm the man I am today because of all the places I've walked. All the things I've faced. All the challenges in my life. The good and the bad. I have, I, has, has affected my life and has changed me. And, and today, can I tell you something? I, I'm a better man today than I was, especially when I was 24. A lot better. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be thankful. Rejoice. That word means to enjoy a state of happiness. What does it take? I want you to talk to yourself for a second. I want you to put yourself in a position. It says, what does it take for me to be happy? What does it take? Does it have to be maybe at my birthday party? I, I am happy in my birthday party unless, you know, I'm getting older, and it makes me sad, right? So, depends. Depends if I was, if I wasn't turning 68. Think about it, 68. Lord help us, 68. Thank God I'm 68. Amen. I think that's pretty good. You know, I'm 68 on the outside. I'm 17 on the inside. What does it take for you to be happy? What situations have to occur? where well, Paul says, forget that. There's reason for you to be happy now, right now, regardless of your circumstances. Amen? And, and, and one of the things that I celebrate is the fact that I have a relationship with God. And that relationship with God is, 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 is wonderful because, you see, I know, I know today because of what Christ Jesus has done for me, That there's nothing separating me from Him. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I've said. God still loves me. In fact, did you know this? That the same relationship that Adam had with God, I have today. Because God looks at me just like He did the first Adam. Doesn't He? When He looks at me, does He see my failures? Does he see all my sins, all my mistakes, all my bad decisions? Does he see those things? My Bible says he doesn't. My Bible says that he has covered me, that that the blood of Christ has become my propitiation which is the covering so that God only sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks at me. Therefore, the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, has, has built a relationship through through himself with me to God. And therefore I can walk knowing that when God looks at me, he loves me and does not judge me because he's already judged me through the cross of Calvary. Amen. So there's no hindrance there, there's no barrier there. So I can rejoice, I can take I can take pleasure and comfort in knowing that when I'm in trouble, God is not punishing me. He's not doing something to me because I'm stupid. And who knows? God knows I'm stupid at times. He's not punishing me. He's not punishing you. God is not punishing you. God is not mad at you. If you're a believer this morning, let me tell you something. He looks at you and he sees his child. So rejoice. Amen? Y'all are too quiet. Somebody. Say amen. Who was it? Say amen, somebody. Who? Somebody. Somebody. Anyway, say something. Somebody. If you agree, say something. If you don't agree, just be quiet. And then he goes on and says this, and, and I, I was, I was, you don't th- think this is crazy because I'm 68 years old. About 45 years I've been a believer. I was reading this passage probably a year or so ago. And I was reading it, and all of a sudden, uh, I read I, I read this I read this verse: "Do not be anxious about anything, but let your gentleness be evident to all." And I read that, and I said, "My gentleness be evident to all." Well, let me tell you something: my gentleness isn't evident to the people that are on the road. <laughs> yeah? How I many of y'all your, your gentleness is evident to the people on the road? Yeah? you, you well y'all are better people than me. because I want to I I I w I wanna I wanna do things to the people on the road. It says do not be anxious about anything. And and the word anxious there's means to be free from concern. Free from concern. I remember uh, in 2012, 2012, I woke up the morning of 2012 and I had a, I had a pain. I had a pain in my back and my neighbor was, was constantly dealing with um, uh, kidney stones. So I was feeling that and it kept getting a little worse and worse the day and I thought gosh I got a kidney stone and um uh, but it kept getting worse and worse and 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 then by the time five o'clock came around my my Pat called me and I was in the bathroom and I was in the bathroom please forgive me if this offends anybody throwing up because the pain had become so severe I was just I I couldn't I was just throwing up I was hurting so bad and I told her um Uh, To call uh, that I had called my brother who's a physician. I called my brother and asked him to to give me some drugs because I was hurting so bad. So he'd called it in for me, and I told her to call to to go by and get it, pick it up, bring it to me. So when she did, she brought it to me, and I took it, and and uh, and and then she convinced me, and not and it wasn't hard that I needed to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. And I went in the hospital and they, and they took me immediately back um, to the examination room and took me to have a CAT scan. And when they got, I remember uh, the CAT scan, the guy, that the, the technician, he said, he, he didn't say anything other than this. He says, Have you been in pain? <laughs> have you had pain other than today? And I said, I said, Buddy, I'm in pain all the time hurting all the time said, uh, he said mr. Sims uh, kidney about to... well, my wife was in there with me and can I tell you